The funny thing about plastic surgery is that the longer you wait to do it, the more complicated the procedure may become. I didn't know that until I sat down with someone who has three things that I don't have. An education, tremendous skill cutting people open and putting them back together again, and a lifetime spent thinking compassionately about the fat of people other than myself. This is my conversation with Gary S. Berger. What if the truth came in a gel cap and we could just pop it in our mouths and forget about it? Well, it doesn't, and we can't. But we can laugh in the face of reality while plotting our survival. Welcome to the Truth Tastes Funny podcast. I am your host, Hirsch Repun. And if my guests can handle the truth, so can you. Open wide, folks. Here it comes. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my guests and his work and qualifications, just so you have a sense, Um, because my guest today is Dr. Gary Berger. There's a lot to know about him. He is a board-certified plastic and reconstructive surgeon. He's the medical director of Park 71 Plastic Surgery. He's had a thriving practice on Manhattan's Upper East Side for nearly 25 years now. I'm going to rattle off a few things, and then I'm going to tell you how I know him. He's a member of the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, the American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery, the New York Regional Society of Plastic Surgeons, a fellow of the American College of Surgeons. He was awarded as an honorary police surgeon of the New York City Police Department in 2013. He went to Port Prince Haiti to perform emergency reconstruction surgery on victims of the earthquake in 2010. Space collided best under the Manhattan There is so much more to say about him, and none of it really comes as a surprise to me because this is the same Gary Berger that I met in a dorm room 35 years ago when we were freshmen in college, poring over Gary's collection of Billy Joel cassettes, which included the 1970 album. What was it called again? California Flash was some, but the album was called Attila, named after the band was called Attila. But we're we're not here to reminisce about Billy Joel. And we don't want to listen to that album ever again. And and we're never going to listen to that album again. But what I what I do want to talk about is where we're at today. Truth Tastes Funny is about not having your head in the sand. It's about really living living life happily within the context of some of the crazy shit that we that we all just can't believe. And they could be little things that happen to us, as as you probably know from your experience with me. I'm very conscious of the environment. I care very much about our world, but at the same time, if I stub my toe all hell breaks loose. And this is a, this is just what happens. This is the level of, that's why I needed a special bathtub in our dorm room. Although we'll, we'll, <laughs> we well, again, we don't have to go there. But, but Gary, tell me, let's speak generally, actually. Plastic surgery can, has some connotations. Elective surgery is 100% elective. So when someone comes in and says they want something for themselves, and there's something that's always bothered them, and they just want to get something done, and you can help them, that's the best. On the other hand, some patients come in, and they have just a poor self-image. They don't really know what they want to do. They just want to be fixed because they're not happy with something about themselves. And having elective surgery just to try to cure that underlying problem is not really the best thing. And so it's part of a, a plastic surgeon's job to try to find that that line between someone who really 
has an issue that they want fixed that will help them feel better about themselves. And someone who's looking for plastic surgery is an opportunity to try to feel better about themselves. And that may not be the answer. Right. Yeah. And I think that's now in my case, it's, uh, you know, and we'll, you know, we can't have a, a podcast called Truth Tastes Funny and not be open about my own personal truths. And you can't see this here at home, but I have this thing. What is this thing, Gary? What is it called? Uh, it's called a neck. Ge- <laughs> no, I know, but there's like a thing. It's a genetic. My mom had it. It's like, a, it's not a double her. chin. It's not a double no. chin. So what it's is loose this? loose skin. My grandmother called it a turkey neck. A turkey neck. So you even remember when I first approached you about it and I said, oh, I want to get it fixed. Yes, but we were both younger then. And the yeah. truth is the younger people, sometimes liposuction will take care of it. Otherwise, you may need to do something involving cutting. But there are a lot of options that you know, a patient needs to think about when trying to choose their surgery. And so right. taking care of a problem that bothers you when you're younger sometimes solves the problem for you and doesn't let you get to be this... Uh, ancient age that we are and, and have to have more extensive procedures. But right. That's oh, so, so is the, is the long and the short of that, that it's now, now that I waited, it's, it's a problem. Is, this now a it's an ex- now? is that what this well, is? It's, it's, you know, well, you it's know, not funny. <laughs> it's not funny. Well, it's funny. It's, it's not funny, but I, but I'm not yes. going to be precious about it because I, I have had in my mind that this is something I'm going to do. And so it is good to know in general, and I think it does speak to the audience. I haven't forgotten about you, listener. I am very sensitive to to your needs as well, but I think it will be helpful to know. Like, so I say, okay, I I don't have a horrible, like I don't have a horrible self-image. I am learning to love myself for, for who I am. And, but I do catch myself in pictures and other things and go, man, if I just did, if I just did that, you know? Yes. So just give it to me straight. Like, is this, is that a dream now that I, that I, that I could have done when I was. It's, it's something that can be done. Maybe it would have been better when you were 40. Okay. By the way, how do they know I'm not 40? You don't truth, have to truth hurts. say that. It, truth hurts. Truth doesn't truth just take does Truth hurts. <laughs> it does that, hurt. That's not the name of your podcast. Sorry. So it is more complicated now? I think so. But mm-hmm. you're taking it in a broader scale away from yeah, yeah. particularly your issue. Yeah. So patients come in at all ages. And there are people that come in in their 50s and 60s and ask for something that they've been wanting for 20, 30 years. And, and life presented them the opportunity to do it now. And some people can make the decision to take care of it in their 60s. And some people may have missed the boat. Some people will have the surgery and say, oh my God, this is so amazing. Why didn't I do this when I was 30? And that does happen, right. you know, or, where, where, where people will tell that to me. So it's like, it's, it's like, you know, medicine. It's like any kind of doctor situation. I have to sit down with you and we have to talk about it. And I assume every case is different. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And, and, and you're going to be as loving and compassionate to me as you are to all your patients. You would, you know, even if, uh, even I will if we be decide. I'll be brutally honest. Yeah, that's the, that's, see that you always have been, you've been brutally <laughs> honest. And the thing is that engenders, I believe, faith and respect. You know, you can't just to, be nice to people. No, I mean, I think it, 
it, it is something that I heard from many patients over the years when they say, oh, I saw this doctor, I saw that doctor. He never told me that part. It, it happened an hour ago where, where someone that I had done a, a video consultation with a few days ago came in in person because when we did the video consultation, I said to her, I understand you asked me to meet with you about surgery A, but in reality, that would help you a little, but what you really need is surgery B. And she said, well, that's what I want. I want somebody to, to solve my problem of what's bothering me. And if you're telling me surgery A isn't going to do it, I don't know why someone tried to convince me to do that. There could also be a scenario where I come in, I spend 15 minutes with you, and I'm like, you know what? Piece of tape, and I'm, I'm good. If you grow so mutton chops and grow them very long, you can tie them around the back of your head. And pull the, and pull the skin and pull, back. And pull your neck back. You know a lot of tricks, don't you? You know a lot of these tricks. There's a lot of tricks. Are there tricks? Are there what you would consider to be tricks of the trade in plastic surgery? Uh, yes, I think there are. I think, you know, there are certain surgeries that I, I can describe to you very generically. This is how you do a tummy tuck. But how I do it and how the guy down the block on Park Avenue or the guy around the corner on Madison Avenue, you know, down on Fifth Avenue, will have their own little twist to it to try to do the surgery the way that they think is best from their years of experience. So yeah, I have my shtick. And and of those three guys, are any of them better than you? No. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> Especially the one on Madison. That guy? No. I don't know about that. What do you see in terms of the age makeup now? In terms of, and of course there's, you know, when we were young, rhinoplasty with, you know, nose job was a, was a big, was a big thing that people did. You know, that was a thing that young people would do, possibly breast augmentation. But have you seen any shift at all in the last couple of years in terms of age demos of people wanting surgery and also just in general attitudes of people? I mean, within the last 30, there, there have been major changes. You know, you mentioned rhinoplasty from when we were kids. There was a guy on Long Island who made everyone's nose look exactly the same. And it was, you know, a tiny little nose turned up, button nose. And that's not what most people want nowadays. Occasionally, someone said, oh, no, no, that's what I want. But in reality, most people want to look like themselves. They want to look like a better version of themselves. They want the bump gone. They want the tip a little thinner. They don't want just a radical, radical change unless, you know, they, uh, they want one. There was someone within the last six months who said to me, I've hated my nose all my life. I've been talking about it since I was a teenager and I want to get engaged, but I'm not getting engaged with this nose. So you need to help me out with this. And we did it. And I, I think she's getting engaged soon, but you know, she's happy and it changed her life and she's a much happier person, but she looks like her. She doesn't look like that little turned up scoop nose that a rhinoplasty would have been, let's say, you know, 40 years ago. So that's one example. Another example are breast implants. I think, you know, when I first started in practice, they were much, much larger uh, and much more fake looking. And so people would come in and say, you know, I want to look like Pamela Anderson. I want just a giant chest where you can like see the edge of the implants at the top. And now people want in general to be much more natural looking. Are there people who still want to be huge? Of course. But really, there's also a coastal difference. I think people in Florida and California have much bigger implants put in than people in New York. It just is. Really? Yeah. And so it's, uh, you know, cultural in the environment in which you find yourself, but also a changing trend over time. Another thing that 
you know, the first time I made somebody's behind bigger was probably nearly 20 years ago. And it was an unusual request and it was a kind of a newer thing. No one did butt implants and nobody was doing fat transfer to their butt. And now it's all anybody talks about. It. And that changed with JLo and then Kim Kardashian and, you know, obviously a few other people. This um, wasn't Kim Kardashian. I can't Kim Car- you can't say whether Kim Kardashian no. is your patient or not. But can you tell me what no. the most <laughs> can you tell what was the most outrageous request that you received that let's say you did not fulfill? Somebody came um, in and said, Can you do this? And you said, I I won't, I will not, or I can't. I think there's a few different answers to that question. There are people who come in and clearly look amazing and find some small thing that they're nitpicking about that you say is, sorry, you know, I, I can't really help you with that. I mean, I'm trying to stay out of specifics in case, you know, your, your listenership is so wide that somebody might hear their own particular unusual story. But people come in and want something unreasonable or they, you know, have an amazing body and, and uh, insist that they need to do something different to augment it. I'm not somebody that's going to churn out these outrageous things you may see on social media. You know, I want right. I don't want to be the guy who sends people too botched to get fixed with with whatever their ridiculousness of is. I want to <laughs> right. fix those people and try to make them look a little bit better. Right. Right. And it seems that, you know, and I I follow you on Instagram and I see posts frequently where the patient wants to share, you know, their new look and the before and after, right. and they're comfortable with that or their identities are not disclosed. But for the most part, it doesn't seem outrageous to me. It seems people people want to put, modify themselves in a way that they simply can't with diet and exercise. Those are things. There, these are things they won't they won't be able to change, and they need they want something to get them to the next place that they want to be with themselves. The liposuction is an example of that. So you have the patients who come in who have that stubborn area and they can't get rid of. Uh, you know, little pouch, little love handles, whatever it is, and they're gym rats and that thing never goes away. That's a great scenario. You you can have liposuction, get rid of the love handles on someone who just never can get rid of them no matter what. And they're thrilled. You gave somebody a waist that never had one before. You gave someone curves they never had before that all the exercise in the world isn't going to get rid of. But there are also patients who come in that are not in great shape, could really use a dietitian, could really use a nutritionist, could really use a lot more exercise. And having liposuction isn't a cure-all, but it is actually motivating in that they will then have a better self-image and go continue with all of those things, the gym and dieting and exercise to make themselves look that much better because now they have a better self-image. And again, that's part of what we do is trying to assess someone's psyche with what they're trying to accomplish. Well, that's where, to bring it back to me, just <laughs> coincidentally, coincidentally, to bring it back to me, I recently started, I changed my diet pretty drastically. I had been exercising regularly for a long time, but I'm really like, now I'm going on a, at least a year or so of being really committed to it. And that I think is when I started having these thoughts about fixing this thing again, because I felt like, okay, I'm, I may even, I remember what happened when my mom lost a lot of weight and, and it became more prominent because her face was, was thinner now. 
And so this, this thing was a little more, you know, but I've only been thinking about it now because I thought, well, I'm get, I'm trying to get into the healthiest shape of, of my life, let's say, you know, if I do that, will I be in better position to, to pursue cosmetic, you know, elective if, if surgery? You're, if you're really going to lose the weight and get in shape, you are better off waiting until you've reached that plateau and stayed that way for a while. The best example I can give you goes back to liposuction. Someone comes in and I'll make up numbers and weighs 180 pounds. And they say, I always weighed 150 pounds and now look at me. In the pandemic, I gained 30 pounds and can you liposuction it off? Rather than them going on a diet and exercise regimen and getting back to that 150, they always weighed. Some people will still wanna do the surgery now because they're miserable and some people will get to that weight. On the other hand, someone may come in and say, I've always weighed 150 and now I weigh 180, but I've weighed 180 for 15 years and it was in college when I weighed 150 and it's not their ideal weight, but they're not going to get to 150. So if they're not going to, then do the surgery now. I'm not going to make someone lose that weight that they've always planned to lose and then go have their procedure. But if they're really going to be working on it, yeah, wait till you're done. Wait till you reach that plateau see what's left behind, and then fix it. And what happens is there's some people that wait and some people that don't wait. And there might be somebody that comes back three years later and says, you know, I lost another 30 pounds after the tummy tuck and now the skin is loose again. What can you do? And I've redone the tummy tuck in some either full or partial or something, trying to tighten everything up. Because doing that first surgery, they thought they were at that plateau and then they kept working on it. And they were so happy with their self-image after having the tummy tuck that, you know, someone became a runner or something like that and changed their whole persona. And so then I needed to fix them later on again. Before we wrap up in a few minutes, I want to just touch on the other side of this, which is some of the community work you've done and what you've done with the police department and what you did in, in Port-au-Prince. Because some of that stuff may not be the kind of elective things that we're talking about. Plastic surgery is really one of the only specialties in surgery that is head to toe. So in other words, there are scalp procedures, there are foot procedures and, and everything else in between. There are many branches to plastic surgery. And so people do craniofacial surgery, reconstruction for like cleft lips and palates and things like that, burn surgery. That's all part of plastic surgery. People talk about cosmetic surgery. Hand surgery is part of plastic surgery. So there are a lot of reconstructive parts. The specialty is called plastic and reconstructive surgery. I think that people find the reconstructive portion of it very fulfilling and enjoy that part of it. And that may be what got them into it in the first place. In our changing world, there are young people now going into plastic surgery to go straight to cosmetic surgery. That didn't happen. 20 years ago. People found plastic surgery. I found plastic surgery through breast cancer because I was doing training in general surgery and we were doing a lot of mastectomies back then. And I went and I saw these magicians do a sort of tummy tuck and create a breast out of it at the same time a woman was having a mastectomy. And I thought that was amazing. And that's what led me into plastic surgery. So there's plenty of parts of plastic surgery where there's a healing aspect, not just the elective cosmetic portion of it. And so for the community, you know, I'm the guy where people call when their kid falls on a weekend 
you know, to fly to another country and to help people to get called by an emergency room to go and help people. I think that's a fulfilling part of what we do. And I think that that's that's really well said. Thank you for for answering that because it, I think I I felt myself getting wrapped up in, you know, this cosmetic aspect of it, but that is the whole other side. You know, when my son was a year and a half and hit his lip on a toilet seat and we had to rush him to have emergency, you know, surgery because it it was so split. You know, it's at those moments when surgeons like you are just a godsend, you know, or a, or a lifesaver. And that, you know, I think that's that's worthy of a, of a mention. So looking at the, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I just, I, th- I said, thank you. But, oh. but for the godsend thing. Oh, you're right. <laughs> the, but the problem now in plastic surgery is that regulation of who gets to do plastic surgery is not so clear cut. And so what was considered the realm of only plastic surgery, you can go in New York State to take a course and learn how to do liposuction. And as long as you're a as long as you're a licensed physician, you can now start marketing yourself as doing liposuction. And so there's a gray area of people saying, I'm a plastic surgeon or I'm a cosmetic surgeon. And in reality, the person is a pediatrician or a gynecologist or a radiologist. And that's a little bit dangerous. I think, and the way they're trying to regulate and prevent people from doing that rather than restricting their medical licenses is instead restricting where people are allowed to do surgery. So I can only operate in a surgery center that's accredited and that's a real surgery center. And I have my anesthesiologist who is, comes and you know has people go to sleep for their surgeries or, they go, or we go to the hospital. If I were going to do the surgery on someone wide awake, then it's just a doctor's office procedure, no different than having you know a lump or a bump taken off your your shoulder, and so people are circumventing the regulations by trying to do surgery under local anesthesia without an anesthesiologist, and being allowed to do the surgery. And so I've had people come to me and have a surgery, and then, as an example, someone came back and I said, you know, let's see how your thigh surgery came out, and I noticed some incisions on the abdomen, and I said. I didn't remember doing liposuction of your abdomen. I only have that we did your thigh. She goes, oh, well, after you did my surgery, I wanted to have the stomach and it came out so great. I decided I would have liposuction of my stomach, but then I found somewhere cheaper to go and I had my stomach done. And I said, oh, who was that? And they told me the name. And I know who the plastic surgeons are in New York. And then we looked it up online and the person had had it done by an eye doctor. Oh my God. So now she can see out of her stomach. Yes. Exactly. So it's a little bit of a problem. You say, okay, well, read, read, read the bottom line, read the bottom line from your, okay. Well that, but that is, yeah. Yeah. Read. So it's a little scary. It's a little scary, but at the same time, I think some states are working on it more than others. And it's a bigger thing to try to get people to stay in this country and not fly for less expensive surgery over. And we see problems with that all the time also. And that's a little scary too. You know, having a call from the emergency room that someone has an infected breast implant or, you know, tummy tuck or whatever, and they're really sick because they landed at LaGuardia and went straight to the emergency room from wherever they went in Central or South America. And that's a problem. Yeah. There are a lot of, there's, there are so, the last thing I want to cover has nothing to do with plastic surgery. It has to do with travel. 
I know the travel is a big part of your life. You and your wife and your kids have traveled so many countries, so many places. Is there a place that you have not gone yet? And is there a place that was your favorite and maybe for what reason? And is there somewhere you haven't gone that you're still, you're still trying to get to? Yes. Yes to all of those things. So actually this past weekend, someone asked me about what the best place I ever traveled with my kids was. And I blurted out Iceland, which was an amazing trip. And they said, why? And I, then I started to really think about it. And I realized it's, it was the last trip I took with all four of my kids. My daughter is now married. The kids are getting older. They have actual jobs, which is very difficult in terms of me scheduling them to go on vacation with their parents. So it was a really great trip because they were all pseudo adults. It wasn't traveling with five-year-olds. So we just had an amazing time. But then when I posed the question to them, they all agreed that that was a great trip and then said, but remember when we did the road trip out into the Grand Canyon, we did the road trip up in Canada, you know, we flew to this country, that country. So at every different era of your lives, I think we had really great adventures, you know, all around the world that were, you know, we went to Japan and China for, for three weeks. So we've been to some pretty amazing places together, but that stuck with me as something, as a great trip, knowing that it's probably the last one that we would all do together. And uh, like I said, it was enjoyable because they were adults and we could appreciate it on a different level. Right, than right. Seen, you know? In terms of places to want to go, I've, they brought me a map as a gift for our 30th anniversary. They brought my wife and I a travel so we could put a pin in everywhere around the world that we've been. And uh, we restricted the map to only places we had been together. And if you recall, before I met you, I had been to all 50 states. So I don't have a pin in every state because Rachel has only been to 40-something of them. But right. um, but there is also a, a selection of pins in places we would like to go. Our uh, 30th anniversary trip was supposed to be to Fiji. That was in uh, June 2020. That got canceled because of uh, Fiji not being allowing anyone in the world to come to their beaches. And so I think we would still like to go back there as we had planned. I think I'd like to go to Antarctica. I think that would be kind of a cool thing to do. I think I have a pin in that. We have not been to uh, Southeast Asia. And I think I would like to do that, you know, and then little other places around the world, you know. Very cool. Too. Yeah. Well, you'll get there. And then, and and my last question is, is to circle back around and bring everything full circle. How many times have you seen Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden since he began? Oh, a whole bunch of them. A whole bunch of them. And I'm uh, hoping to go back again. But I would say that my first Billy Joel concert was with you. Yes. So, uh, at the NASA, at the former Nassau, Nassau Coliseum. Yeah. That's right. Standing on our well, chairs. Well, we should spend more time together. We should gather for exciting, happy occasions and occasional fixes of whatever small thing I, you know. Look, you do something for me. You know, I'll, I'll, I left out something in my previous answer. Yes. We are supposed to go to the Kentucky Derby, aren't we? Yes. We keep we saying are. that we will, and then we don't. But maybe it's Kentucky Derby 2025 or something. We can we can start planning it now. Gary Berger, Dr. Gary S. Berger, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. I hope you had fun. I hope this was both fun it's and always a pleasure talking to you. Fun and a pleasure. A fun pleasure. And and thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into Truth Tastes Funny. If you enjoyed the experience, please leave a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends.